This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Welcome to the Pivot with Purpose podcast, a podcast all about helping you identify and navigate your next move in life or career with confidence. I'm your host, Megan Houle, a one-stop shop for all things recruiting, professional development, and career pivots. And through my insights and our guest conversations, these episodes will help you to shift your mindset, change your direction, and change your life. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Pip with Purpose. Thank you all for tuning in each week. It means so much to me for all the support of the podcast. So I hope you are enjoying all these episodes. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Jacqueline Johnson. And Jacqueline is an entrepreneur, angel investor, and best-selling author, along with being the host of a top business podcast, Work Party, who started both her companies with a laptop and idea and grew them from self-funded side projects into multi-million dollar businesses and nationally known and recognized brands. Jacqueline has launched and sold two companies before the age of 35 and is well known for being the driving force and founder of Create and Cultivate, recognizing a gap in conversations, resources, events, and community for female millennial entrepreneurs and small business owners. Through her various events, Jacqueline has had the honor and privilege of interviewing pioneers of the industry like Chelsea Handler, Meghan Markle, and Martha Stewart, to name a few. And in the spring of 2024, Jacqueline will be launching an app where she is a co-founder called Cherub that gives ambitious founders and the rising class of angel investors and advisors access to connections and capital typically unavailable outside of the traditional VC networks. One would say that Jacqueline is on a mission to pay it forward to entrepreneurs, self-starters, and the underrepresented founders through her immersive coaching, intimate masterminds, and more. I hope you guys love this episode. I also get to work with Jacqueline one-on-one in the Blueprint Mastermind and just so excited for all kinds of exciting things to come in the future. So looking for meaningful career pivots or community of support, I hope you enjoy this episode and make sure you connect and link up with Jacqueline. All right. Well, Jacqueline Johnson, welcome to the Pivot with Purpose podcast. How are you, my friend? How is everything going? I'm so, so good. I'm so happy to be here and excited to chat. I know. Well, um, just all that I know about you and reading and, you know, everything that's out there, I know you are the ultimate multi-hyphenated woman doing all the things, um, an investor, entrepreneur, leading so many projects right now. So I cannot wait to dive in. And just knowing your story too, I know you are someone who is really fueled by purpose (laughs) with lots of pivots in your career story to highlight. So um, what I also love too about you before I dive in is you're, you're also, you're just not a gatekeeper. You know, you are a woman who is someone who is so generous with their information, their time, their coaching, paying it forward. I mean, with all the things that you have done 
and are continuing to do. I really appreciate that. Oh, thank you. you. That's so, so nice. Thank you for for all that you are. And in starting off, where are we catching you today? Let's talk about the here and now before we dive into early career highlights. What are you excited about? What are you up to? What's going on? Yeah. So we we were just chatting about this a little bit, but like I have so much going on. I feel like it's, you know, obviously it's the end of the year. Everyone's in last 60 day mode or last 30 day mode now and just kind of getting everything done. Um, but currently working on like a, a bunch of different stuff I'm really excited about. Um, you know, as I was mentioning, we're doing our, our sort of launch launch-ish party for Cherub, which is the platform I'm the co-founder of. It's a double-sided marketplace connecting angel investors and startup founders. Um, and we're doing that in collaboration with Trust Fund Ventures, which is Sofia Amoroso's um, VC fund. So it'll be super fun. But again, just in stress event mode, it never ends. Like, it really, like... It never ends. <laughs> and I always... <laughs> no, it... Well, what we always say do, you're like, okay, I'm going to like do this and take a little break and take a like, well, that's cute. Like little breaks in our schedules. That That's, that's cute. Maybe enjoying the holidays a bit, but there's just always something. There's yeah, always more. Always and I something. just feel like you have so many cool collaborations and all going on. So I know that's going to be really fun and I can't wait to dive into all the various projects, but to start off, I mean, I, you are also this ball of energy, which I also very much appreciate from one ball of energy to another. <laughs> um, and I know it's authentic, right? Like you show up, you're so passionate. Was that something in terms of your entrepreneurial soul? Were you like that as a child? Like, what were you like as a kid? Were you just like super high energy, bubbly, like all over? Yeah. Yeah. I, and it's funny because I yeah. never really <laughs> knew I was high energy. I just was like, this is who I am yeah. until people were like, you have so much energy. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I guess I am a lot. I don't know in a good way. But I think like for me, yeah. I've just always, I like to stay busy. Like, my friend like said to me once, she's like, you cannot not be in motion. Like that's just not where you operate as a human. And, and I really like thought about that. I was like, that's so true. It's like, I always like to be in the mix of something. Like I can never just yeah. like lay still. I want to, you know, be learning something, doing something, creating something like, um, helping people. Like that's just my natural like baseline, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, yeah. very similar to you in that we are just balls of energy. <laughs> Yeah. And the world appreciates you. I mean, you've created so much that people all over have benefited from. So thank you for keeping that energy going. And early Jacqueline career highlights on Pivot with Purpose. We love to talk about all things careers, pivots to where we are today. So give us a little sense of Jacqueline early career highlights. Like where did you start off? What were you doing? Yeah. Let's paint that picture. So mm-hmm. I definitely started in corporate America. Um, I was, you know, living and working in New York City at different agencies. I kind of got into like, um, I would say like the most pivotal role I had was at the start startup agency called Attention, which is now massive. Um, but I was employee number three. And I feel like that was really like my boot camp into entrepreneurship because I saw the founder of that business, like start it from scratch, basically. Um, and so being employee number three, I was able to like one, hire people I really liked and made a lot of like lifelong friends there, but also learn of like how to sell something, how to close a deal, how to service a client. Like I just learned, I had a firsthand view of what it took to run a business, even though in my head I was like, I'm never doing this. Um, 
And then I was recruited to start working at larger agencies. So I worked at iCrossing and I built out their social media platform. And then I went in-house at IEC um, and worked on some of their projects and then basically was let go during the 2009 like recession and was like, what now? And I was, you know, had moved to Los Angeles. And so that's where my entrepreneurial journey really began with my first company, which was called No Subject. And it was a marketing events and influencer agency um, that I started here in LA at the time when really like only in LA, there was like entertainment and gaming. And like, we were kind of first to market in like, we're servicing fashion, beauty, like startup clients. Um, so we were able to get a lot of traction quickly. And I would say like the early highlights, like one was like, I, it's funny cause I got Forbes 30 under 30 and everyone assumes I got that for create and cultivate, but I actually got that for no subject, um, which was really exciting. And I was, I was like, I think I was 28 or 29. So I was like really getting close to the 30 <laughs> mark, but like that was super like getting up there. Yeah. Yeah. And that was <laughs> for me because I think previously, like a lot of my businesses and create and cultivate as part of that, but also the agency, like they were just sort of like a lot of the press I got was like lifestyle press. So like Refinery29 and da 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 and like things like that. And so this was the first time I got in a business publication. And so I think, you know, bigger clients started coming in. I was able to charge more. I had more of like that name value in the business space. Um, so that was a really big game changer for me. And then of course, selling that first business to small girls PR was a huge, huge learning and win for me in that way as well. Yeah. What was one of your favorite jobs or what were you doing early on that you just really, really loved? So it was interesting. I thought I was going to be a magazine editor forever. Like that, I studied magazine publishing. Yeah. I was a journalism major and I had amazing internships living in New York City. So I, I interned at Condé Nast Traveler, Self Magazine, Avenue Magazine, which was like a big like sort of society publication. So I was like, I, and I loved it. I really loved it, but I was always so intrigued by the sales of it all and the marketing that went into it. And I was like, huh, I wonder if I could do that. Um, and that's how I kind of pivoted into like the more marketing side of things. But I think like, you know, in terms of jobs, I loved, I loved, I love working. Like I genuinely do. Like I get a lot of, uh, personal satisfaction and pride from my work. So Every job I had, I feel like I worked my ass off, learned so much and like have maintained like those really strong relationships um, throughout my career. I mean, a good example of this is I worked at a company called Pronto at um, at IAC, which was sort of like an Amazon competitor. But the CEO of that business was John Foley, who is the CEO or the founder of Peloton. Um, and so obviously he hadn't done that yet. He went on to do that. And Peloton actually was one of the first sponsors of Create and Cultivate when they weren't even a company yet. Like, he's like, I created this bike and he supported my business. Oh my and, you know, so it was just like, I yeah. feel like I've been able to kind of create those relationships, um, even though I had such a small time in like the corporate world. Yeah. Well, and I feel like too, just from our chats and getting to know you even more and more, like you are the queen of like the white space, like right place, totally. <laughs> right time connections, right? So how have you felt like trusted your gut? And really, you know, kind of seeing these opportunities have really been the key to your your success. Yeah. I do feel like a little bit of luck is involved. And I feel like I've been very lucky in a lot of instances. But I do think like I've stumbled into yeah. a lot of things early. Like I was really like in that that job at attention, I was really like doing social media marketing before it was called social media marketing. I mean, we were really like thinking about Facebook groups and forums. And now I sound a hundred years old, but like 
I was really early in that world because I had a blog in 2006. And so it was like me and four people on the internet had blogs. Um, so I was able to like really kind of build up this like kind of influencer stuff, yeah. which again, before we were called influencers and then kind of like be early to that world. And so being early to anything makes it makes you an immediate expert, right? So I was kind of like thrust into this like role as like social media expert, which was a great place to be in in the early uh, 2010s and things like that. So I got very lucky in that sense. Um, yeah. And then I also think it's like, you're, I think one lesson I wish I had learned a little earlier was like, your network is your net worth. It's so true. Like the people, you know, the connections you make, whether in college at your first job, like whatever, like those are the connections that will see you through for the rest of your career. And I think it's so important. Like the work is important, but almost the community is more important. Um, so I think that was something that I, I kind of learned pretty quickly and then was able to really cultivate a community. And I talk a lot about that in the book, Work Ready, of like, be a pleasure to work with, like, you know, leverage your network in, in really authentic and meaningful ways and, you know, pay it forward and do favors for them and favors for you. And like that favor economy has really like paid off for me in spades. Yeah, I love that you're talking about. And can we just um, have a moment here for? And I need to make this in a highlight reel. Literally, you—that's the page on mine right now because I wanted to reference. It's actually be a fucking pleasure to work with. And I'm like, amen, Jacqueline, because you know, in my world, and I love, and I just, I know you're a master networker, and I think that it's definitely something innate where you just enjoy having conversations with somebody. You know, it's a two-way street. It's like, what can I? you know, kind of gain from knowing them, but how can I support them as well? And I think it's something, oh my gosh, in this past like three years of going through the pandemic and all the jobs and, you know, I'm deep in fashion, retail and all of that. I mean, so, so affected. There are individuals, Jacqueline, that are still struggling to get hired these days. And I coach a lot of individuals on the career side, you know, founders, business owners. And I'm just like, you know, leveraging your network is also so important in a job search and in any part of your life where if people don't know what you do and how they can support you, you know, they're not going to be able to say your room, your name in a room of opportunity, but we're like so scared to ask for help and ask for a connection. Like what advice maybe would you give somebody that could be struggling with thinking like, oh, no one wants to hear from me or nobody wants to like help me. I don't know. Where do you find the confidence or where could you give somebody advice to kind of gain that confidence or take that first step to ask, right? I think as women, like people are, especially women are scared to ask for help, right? We don't want to seem like we don't know or don't have the connections. Like we're, and especially like, even now we're living in this world of like, everything's perfect. And like, I have everything figured out. And like, that's just not reality. And I think it's absolutely important to ask for help, um, but also have no expectation of receiving it. I think that's sort of the difference is like, do you have to unabashedly advocate for yourself? Like you have to be your own hype woman and get yourself in those rooms. Like when you look and like, you think like, Oh my God, those women, they just like did it. It's like, no, it's such a struggle. Like I remember looking at magazines and like seeing, you know, the Whitney Wolves or the Jen Rubios and like on the, like, you know, on the list in the features. And I was like, I'm going to do that. And like, I took so much work to get there, but like I put myself out there. Like I really, and you have to do that in order to get yeah. in those rooms, in those conversations, in those job interviews. Like, you know, it, it is like a very competitive, like the, I hate to say, but the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Like that's the reality. And I think sitting back and thinking like that, you know, so-and-so is going to help you, or they'll see that you need help. It's just not reality. Like you really have to advocate and ask for it, but also have no expectation that someone's going to give it to you. So it's like kind of this like, right. Yeah. Sitting in the middle. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's the hard truth, right? That it's like, I'm sorry, but nobody's thinking about you. (laughs) And I I say that quite often. And also opportunities, I'm sorry, you can get lucky, but they're just not always going to fall into your lap also. And it is hard work. Excuse me. And I think people get really frustrated of the process taking so long or the interview process or this business or things are taking. I mean, it doesn't happen overnight, right? And I I mean, you can attest to that as well. So um, that's such good advice. And I feel like we just can't give up. I mean, I was talking to someone today after nine months, you know, they finally got landed into their dream job. And I mean, not all the time do people have that much time to navigate a job search or build something, but you know, we have to have a little patience. Yeah. Um, but we also have to like get out there and put the time in and it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't just fall into our laps, everyone. So amen to that. Um so pivoting to create and cultivate, which ah <laughs> so inspired by you. I feel like all that you've just built in this event space and career world and empowering women, you know, has really influenced and motivated me to keep, you know, doing what I do. And, you know, in terms of that part of your career and life, you know, what was that big pivot for you to, you know, bring, create and cultivate together? Did you really see at that point that specific need or gap in the market that led to that creation where, you know, it's truly that platform to help women in the professional world that you brought together? Yeah. And and, and speaking of like the nine months wait and like all those things, it's like, yeah, I had a similar story. So I had my agency and, um, you know, again, was running that solo entrepreneur, really young, running into issues and was looking for community. And so I started creating cultivate as like a sub event of that agency. Um, the first one was like 30 people, you know, like it's super small. And I was like, Oh, great. Like, let's do it. And it was really more of like a marketing expense of that agency to be like, we're doing this cool event. Um, mm-hmm. from there, it like grew every year and it kept getting bigger and bigger until like, eventually I was like, this is kind of a thing. Like brands wanted to get involved, like talent wanted to get involved. Tickets were selling. And so I was like, oh, this is like doing really well. But it wasn't like a business and nor was it running like a business. It was like breaking even like pretty much every single time, if not losing money. It was just like I was treating it as a new business um, lead for the agency until basically like, um, you know, it got so big that it got the attention of like, what would be my future business partner in Create and Cultivate. And she was like, what is this thing? And I was like, oh, it's not a thing, you know? And she's like, no, I think this could be like your next big thing. Like, I think like you do all the marketing and branding for all these other people. Like, why not do it for yourself? Why not invest in this business and try and make it something bigger? So it took like a third party to kind of like open my eyes to it. Um, and we both put in money into the business to invest into it and like kind of see, like if we put some money into this, like what could happen? Um, and the rest is like kind of history. It took off. It had insane momentum, um, way more than the agency did. even though the agency was an amazing business, it was like, I was like, you know, go aggressively going after new business with that company. Whereas Crate and Day, everyone was coming to me interested. And so I always like to say, go where the momentum is. Like, I think that's also really important. Like it's seeing like what's resonating with the market and Crate and Day just from a consumer standpoint, from a brand standpoint, people, everyone wanted to be involved in it. So I was like, this is something I need to double down on. But again, it was a slow burn. Like it wasn't an overnight success. Like people are always like, everyone kind of knows Create and Cultivate from like 2018 on. Like I would say that's like when people started to really hear about it. We had the big name celebrities, um, but it existed from 2011 to 2018. Like, and I always thought right. there were some early years. Yeah. didn't know about yeah. it. Um, so it was a slow, yeah. it was a slow build. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, yeah. again, I had the time 
and the, to do that because I had this other business, right? And so I had the opportunity to really build a community organically, slowly, without having to be like, I need money. Like, so it was like a right. real luxury in that way. And then after selling the agency, I did a year between both and, um, and then eventually took the leap into doing Create and Cultivate full time. Yeah. And, you know, and in Create and Cultivate, it is all about, like you were saying, building that community. Do you feel like that was the biggest part of your success, you know, in bringing this nurturing, supportive community together? And what what role did that play in like really continuing to allow for you to build and, and you know, bring more people in? And what was the success around that community? Yeah. I mean, the, um, secret to your success. Yeah. yeah. The, the community was the biggest piece of the company, obviously, without the community. It didn't exist. Yeah. But what I think we did yeah. that really worked was a few different things. Like one is like, we led with authenticity. I think people really loved creating Cold Day because they were like, this girl who's running it is like a me, like she's figuring it out as she goes along. We were completely yeah. bootstrapped. Like it was me hustling around. Like, so I think people really related to the fact that like I was in the same position as them. It wasn't like I was Gwyneth Paltrow, like gracing the stage. You know, I was like running around looking like this probably. And just like, you know, like doing the thing, like trying to make a business work. Yeah. So I think people under, like really respected the authenticity too is like, we always led with value. Like we wanted to provide um, opportunity and access and value to our, our, our community and access. What I found was like really amazing is like twofold. Like we gave people access to the best in the business. The speakers and the talent were always like top of mind for Create and Cultivate and something that we really tailored. And two, and what Create and Cultivate like kind of created, came from was, you know, I was an, an influencer blogger, whatever at the time, and was always at these cool events and posting about them and you know, they're beautiful and amazing and gorgeous. And my sister, who's a wedding photographer in Florida, was like, I would kill to go to an event like that. Like, that's so fun. And so I really took that influencer event model and like approach and made it for consumers. Like, it was beautiful. It was fun. You're getting freebies. You're able yeah. to shot like you got your gift back. Oh, and by yeah. the way, like you get to hear amazing business owners and CEOs and content creators and celebrities speak. Like, it was kind of a dream day. Like, and I really wanted people to walk away feeling that. Um, and thirdly is like, we didn't, so we had a lot of value for our audience and we, which built a lot of trust. And then also we did, we tried to do, and this was like, you know, again, I, from my perspective, as much as possible for free or cheap, um, we really kind of wanted to make our ticket prices as accessible as possible. All of our, um, events besides the conferences were free. Um, so we wanted to give access to people. Like we really wanted them to be able to have the opportunity to come in here and learn. And so I think it built a lot of trust around the brand, um, versus trying to monetize them, you know, immediately off the bat. So I think like yeah. so much has changed since that time. Right. And now people are, you know, selling $5,000 tickets to things and, you know, people are willing to invest in that. But like, we were always just like the accessible option. And I always, I feel like we took a big sister approach and I think it really worked for us. Yeah. And how do you, how did you see the landscape help change the lives of women in business through create and cultivate? Like, what do you feel like were some of those big takeaways? Yeah. It's, it was amazing. Event? Like yeah. I always would say, I was like, there's yeah. no job in the world like this because I get cards in the mail. I get like handwritten notes from women who are like, that. I yeah. went in and asked for a raise after attending create and cultivate and I got it. And my life has changed. I met my business partner at create and cultivate. And like, I've never been like happier. I met my best friend. I went alone and I was so like welcomed by the community. Like you can't, there's no like dollar amount you place on that. And I think it was mm -hmm. such a, like, I genuinely feel like being the CEO was like such an honor and a privilege uh, for so long. And it was like a really, truly humbling experience. And I think 
Um, you know, for me, it just, it, it's unbelievable to talk to people who are like, um, you know, I coach a few people who are like, Crinkle Dates, how I started my company. It's gotten me through these things. Yeah. And it's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're building uh, with your head down, you don't really sometimes get to see like what's happening. And so it's always right. like an amazing reflection to look back. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, to go back to your book, Work Party, which we will link in the show notes and everyone has to read it. Um, in the very first chapter, I just love the very first chapter when um, crushing it crushes you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that too, my core on most days. You're like, okay, Megan, just keep going. But what was the context of that feeling for you? And when did you know it was time to make a meaningful decision to pivot out? of what you were doing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think like, like, as I mentioned earlier, I love working like, and even yeah. when I was at like peak on a plane every week working, you know, hundred hour weeks, I was happy. Like I loved it, but it was it like the healthiest state of being. No, you know? So I think, I think that's the tricky thing about burnout is like, you can burn out and still be happy and like excited and, and mm. like ramped up on what you're doing. And that's why I say that when crushing it crushes you, it's hard to tell sometimes. And I think mm. for me, I had such like a unnerving amount of drive to make this company successful that I put every other priority by the wayside. And so I knew like, I mean, and I think for any small business owner who went through COVID, especially a small business owner who is in a, you know, owns, owned a brick and mortar or owned what, a restaurant or had an events company. Like it was yeah. so like, there's a lot of PTSD that I think is people have not even addressed or faced because it was such a survival mode on every level where, you know, every CEO or founder or whatever had to step up for their team and be like, we got this, don't worry. But like, you're facing the complete unknown. And so I went into overdrive in 2020 to save the business and, you know, pivot it and um, come out the other side. And we were very successful at it. Thank God. And like, you know, press word about it and like how great we pivoted to digital and all these things. So we did it. But like the toll that took on me was very real. Um, and I think I had just um, two like, well, one was like, I think like, you know, a lot of the, you know, I was doing all the creative for Create and Cultivate, like every stage I designed, every look and feel, um, you know, with the help of an amazing team. But like, I had been tapped, like I felt tapped, like I can't mm -hmm. think of another thing. Yeah. I'm too totally burnt out. And so, you know, when the company was acquired by private equity, uh, majority stake in 2021, you know, I had let them know, like, I think we need to bring in a new CEO, not because I didn't want to do it anymore or whatever, just because I felt like I was doing a disservice to the company by being so burnt out on and like almost too burned out to like take on new ideas, like people coming in and being like, we should be using this software and updating this. And I was like, I'm too tired to like, you're like, my brain, my brain is full. Yeah. Like, not, <laughs> yeah. And it yeah. works and yeah. we're sticking to it. And like, and that's a disservice <laughs> to a company that's, you know, nine, 10 years old because we do need to change and, and move. And so that decision was very yeah. intentional. Um, but it also like, you know, gave me the space to start taking care of myself and learning about right. myself and putting boundaries up and all those things. Yeah. Well, before we pivot on from Crate and Cultivate, was there a success story or a moment that really stands out for you where Crate and Cultivate had a significant impact on someone's career or business? Like any big moment? I know you you get lots of hand the handwritten cards, but any any other moment that really Yeah. I mean, I think you? the most yeah. like 
the most special one would probably be Marina. Like Marina was a Creighton Cultivate attendee. I met her through one of our vendors slash good friend of mine who I'm an advisor to her company. And she kept telling me, you have to meet this girl, Marina. She's such a Creighton Cultivate fan. And I was like, sure, 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 sure. Like, I just wasn't like thinking about it. And so we met in New York at our small business summit. She was a mentor and she had this like beautiful pink suit on and pink hat and like looked amazing. Always, yeah. yes. And I was like, oh, <laughs> who is this girl? But anyway, we met and um, again, like wasn't thinking anything of it. And, you know, she aggressively followed up with me and I just was like, this girl. The squeaky wheel, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly like on good um, point to that story is like, you know, and yeah. like she wore me down and I was like, this girl has so much energy and like, she's so many, so much passion and ideas. And like, I was in a place where I was sort of like not passionate and didn't have ideas and didn't have motivation. It was like kind of a perfect storm of us like connecting. And now we have the blueprint together. And like, now she's a business partner Mm -hmm. of mine. Like that's crazy. And like, even she's like, I have photos of us from like 2018 where you like have no idea who I am. And I'm like, that's so funny. But I'm like, (laughs) it's, it's amazing how people come into your life through these like, you know, events and things. And, you know, at the time it doesn't make sense. And then, you know, there you are like a couple years later and you're like, we have this, now we have, we're family, you know, at this point. So it's really exciting. Yeah. No, it is. And I think like I have so many of those serendipitous moments too where – and you also feel like, okay, I'm doing these things. I remember Marina's story too of where she was initially like afraid (laughs) to talk to you and like say hi. And then all of a sudden like here you are. And I think what's so special is you find those common denominators, right? And you – um, yeah, I mean, I think you both are creators and both are just these incredible individuals that want to help women and want to help grow. So, you know, you have that similar purpose, which I also feel like really resonates too when you're sort of building relationships and all of that. So it, it's really special. And you know how much I appreciate all that you've built and in coming into the blueprint and now being able to work with you yeah. and, um, and everyone and, and meet so many other incredible women where we are now all forming new partnerships. I don't know. I saw this post today on Instagram was just like, if you would have told me in January where I feel like my life was kind of this like dumpster fire, it's soul cycle, having like unkind thoughts. I'm like, this year is going to be trash. (laughs) It didn't start off that well, Jacqueline. To, you know, kind of ending this last part of the year with you and being part of Mastermind and like having all these ideas for the future and the new business. Like it's pretty incredible how life, you know, can kind of throw you all kinds of curveballs. But I think with them, you have to see the opportunities in them, right? And we're, right, we're not always going to hear the yeses. And we're not always, it's not always going to work out. But then that leads to something else. So in the relationships and the partnerships you have throughout the journey are so important. So um, what was that like for you pivoting out of Create and Cultivate? Like, what was that moment like? And and what, was next. Yeah. I mean, I luckily the CEO that came in, I really loved and uh, I still stayed on board and was like on the board and like involved from a a consulting capacity, but it was an identity shift for sure. Um, I think it was really challenging to start navigating what it was like to not be the CEO of Create and Cultivate. And then on the flip side of that, to have a lot of people not realize you're not the CEO of Create and Cultivate and like still getting the DMs and messages of like, Hey, my thing didn't arrive, or like whatever. And you're like, hey, I you're like, not my problem. And yeah, like, you know, and, and again, like, of course, yeah. I'm like, it is my problem. I care so much. But yeah, like, no, no, no. It's hard yes, because it's like I remember they booked um one of the conferences, got like we messed up on the dates, and like I was on vacation at that time, uh, that I couldn't yeah. like redo or replan. And so I wasn't at one. 
And I remember being like, no one's going to care. Like, that's fine. And I got so many messages that were like, where were you? <laughs> and it was, Aww, it was nice yeah. to see it. But I also feel like it was really hard because I was like, yeah, like I'm, I'm not in the room where those decisions are getting made anymore. Um, so that was a, t- a tough challenge. And I think, you know, I think coming, it's such a personal business. So I think it's challenging to all of a sudden just think like, okay, bye. It's not like we're selling mugs and it's like, okay, you got your mug, but it's a community driven business that I'm like so passionate about. So I just think that's really, um, really challenging to kind of navigate. Yeah. Well, and for what you have going on now, so beyond the blueprint, tell us a little bit about Cherub because I know you're also, and you have all these incredible classes, masterclass and fundraising and investing, which I just feel like too, from our blueprint, I learned so much about it and I can't wait to talk to you about it more, but what's going on in your world now? Yeah. That you're really involved in. Yeah. So Cherub, I'm co-founder of Cherub. Um, As mentioned, it's a double-sided marketplace. So basically if you're a small business owner, founder, entrepreneur, um, and you're like, I would love to have strategic um, angel investors on my cap table, like Cherub is the place where you find them. Um, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, other platforms out there where it's more like uh, crowdsourced angel investing. So like you can get whoever on your cap table for 50 bucks, like they can invest in your business. Like this is not that this is like strategic capital where it's like the Soho house of angel investing. You're getting the top tier investors, Candace Nelson, Ali Webb, myself, Morgan Debon, mm-hmm. huge names in the angel investing um, industry. And basically it's, it's functions off of dating app mechanics. So if you like this investor and this investor likes you, like you match and then, you know, magic is made and you can get that investment. And so um, if you're a founder, definitely sign up. If you're an angel investor interested or even like your first time angel investing, which is really exciting. We have a lot of first time angels on the platform that are making their first investments, um, you know, with minimum check sizes of 2,500. You know, it's a really exciting place to be. We'll be launching the beta in January. Right now we have an alpha setup where founders can sign up. um, And we also have a new newsletter list that goes out to thousands. So, um, you know, it's attracting angels and we're getting deals done, which is super exciting. Yeah. No, that's really awesome. I know I follow obviously on social, we'll link everything, but it seems like you have some really awesome brands across all product and categories and industries and everything. And, you know, for someone to pivot a bit, for someone who has hired individuals, uh, in, in their time on your teams and I'm sure continuing to go forward, you know, what are some of the things that you really look for, uh, in individuals in the hiring process and maybe some tough questions you ask, like what really makes someone stand out for you that you want to bring into your business? Yeah. Hiring is so hard. Um, I would say for me, what, (laughs) one of the questions I always ask in an interview is like, tell me about the time you dealt with a fire, like you dealt with a really tough situation. And I think like that really is a defining moment for people. Like I remember I interviewed this one coordinator that I ended up hiring who was like one of the best coordinators I ever had. And I asked her that question. She was, said she was, she worked for a publicity firm and um, they repped child actors. And so she's like, I got to set for this big photo shoot and realized that like the mom had like booked the hair and makeup for the next day. And she's like, and I had slept at my boyfriend's house and I had my hair and makeup kit with me. And she's like, so I just like did her makeup for the shoot and like did her hair. And like, cause I was like, we have to do the shoot. And so I was like, I love that. Like no task too small. Like I'll jump in. We're going to problem solve this. Like, you know, that type of stuff to me is like, I love like those types of people. Um, I think also Mm -hmm. people who um, are, 
upfront about their style of working. Like I always say, learn your boss's love language. I think that's such a great way. Like my love language is like to-do lists and updates. Like just tell me what's going on. Did you get that done? Like all those types of things. But I'm not like super micromanaging in a way because I'll become micromanaging if you don't communicate well. So understanding communication styles, being really upfront and, and honest. Like I think a lot of people lie in job interviews because they're like, like we're like, hey, this is a super fast yeah. paced self uh, motivating environment. Does that work for you? They're like, yeah. But like in reality, they're like, no, that is not uh-huh. where I thrive, you know? So I think it's yeah. about being honest with yourself and not just saying yes on both ends. Right. And I think right. it's just about being as honest as possible in those interview moments. Yeah. And I heard this um, yesterday in a conversation I had of then on the flip side, like giving employees almost this like self audit yeah. of like who they are. So like not necessarily all those like disc assessments and whatnot, but you know, like what are their personality traits, right? For them to know and to be aware of as a manager, like someone may be a people pleaser really? and want to say yes to everything. And that's a self-awareness. So you kind of have to back up when someone's like, yeah, yeah, I can do it. You're like, mm, are you yeah. sure? Like, are you sure you can really take that on? So I love that. And maybe for somebody who has had a lot of yeses, but also maybe have heard a lot of no's in your time, in your career, I feel there is, as I was mentioning before, this frustration of a lot of rejection. Totally. Things not working out, right? Via like businesses or landing a job and whatnot. And, you know, a no isn't always that you can't do something. It's just you're a no for maybe that person. But I think what gets scary is then sometimes you hear the no's and people are like, oh God, well, I got a course correct and then I got to do this different. And then you wind up like losing yourself yeah. and the authenticity because you're just trying to like make all these people happy for their vision of your life, business, career, but not yourself, right? So how have you navigated those no's? Like we call it like the high highs of like, yeah, I'm on top. And then the low lows of like, I'm a piece of trash. Nothing's ever going to work out again. You know, I just feel like people are still sitting in this frustrated moment of like, why is it not happening? So what advice would you give for someone navigating through through the nose and the frustration to like keep just keep going. I mean, like I, think said, you know? I think it's yeah. important to also realize like you're interviewing them as well. And I think it's important to all think mm-hmm. about like when you're going in, like there's nothing worse than hiring someone who's three months in, you're like, oh, it's completely not what they said they are. And then they're like, this job is not what I thought it was. Like it's such a waste of time and money for both people. So you want to make yeah. sure that you are sussing out and asking the tough questions before committing because that's three months wasted, right? Like that's six months wasted. And so when you're taking that leap into a career, I think it's so important to really be as clear as possible with your expectations. And if you're getting a no, it's because you're not like, it's not a good fit on both ends. So like you would have been there miserable and like not happy anyway. So I think that's kind of like part of it. And I think timing is everything when it comes to these things. So I think it's just about like not getting frustrated, not getting down. And then I also think like asking for feedback of why they said no, like just curious, like, oh, maybe it's Mm -hmm. my experience wasn't enough. Maybe it's because I, you know, don't do certain type of software, whatever, get that. And then like, you could go Mm -hmm. learn that software. You can go up, you know, upskill and up level, but I think getting feedback is really important. Yeah. Would you say that maybe it applies the same for businesses? I mean, I know you are also like the master of a pitch (laughs) Uh, and really getting in front of investors. I mean, a lot of times it's just like, maybe no, not for me, for someone who is trying to like get a business off the ground or get, you know, their them started and feeling frustrated. What advice would you give to make sure, you know, they don't 
fall off track, just keep going. What are some of your top tips there? I think it's like rejection. Yeah. Rejection is part of the entrepreneurial experience. Like it just yeah. is what it is, yeah. right? Clients aren't going to yeah. be happy. You're not going to get that pitch. You're not going to whatever. You might not get mm-hmm. the fundraising. Like it's just the nature of the beast. And so I think there's a lot of solace in understanding that this is a shared experience. Like everyone feels mm-hmm. this way. Like I always joke, like everyone knows create and cultivate, but like I had other companies that didn't work. Like no subject where create and cultivate worked. I started like a talent agency with a friend for a while. It was like a hot mess. But like no one knows that story because it's just not the story that got in Forbes, right? So it's like just yeah. take solace in the fact that like it's a shared experience as like an entrepreneur and like everyone feels it at different points. Yeah. So your road to entrepreneurship as we were saying, comes with lots of challenges. What were some of the biggest significant challenges you faced and how did you overcome them? Yeah. I mean, God, so many, I mean, I think like one is like, um, I mean, COVID probably was like the biggest. So like obviously pivoting into digital and starting to manage that, I would say, um, I think also just like managing a team was always like kind of a challenge. Like, I think it's really hard, um, to be the CEO and the face of a business and also, mm-hmm. you know, command a certain amount of, um, business respect from your team when, um, you're like kind of a figure that people think is going to be like their best friend. Um, but you're like mm-hmm. really serious about yeah. your business. So I think that was always a challenge for me. I think, um, you know, obviously like anything, selling a company is a nightmare. Um, so like navigating that road, I mean, there's a million challenges and I think it's all about just understanding like these happen, you'll get better. You'll be able to like navigate things more easily. Like I think, you know, I say in the book too, like you become a professional firefighter and you, you start to make decision, really hard decisions very quickly and you understand it's not the end of the world. And I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say to somebody who is an inspiring entrepreneur, maybe too, that wants to go into business with a friend (laughs) or a family member, um, you know, based on your own experiences, like what advice would you give somebody who today is like really looking to get their business off the ground and and who should they be partnering with? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, partnerships are tricky. I would say like, just make sure Mm -hmm. you have really clear expectations on, um, your roles, your goals, like your wants for the company, your needs, your like work ethic. Like you really, it's really about entering a marriage and being as honest as possible about like your contribution to the business. And then that might change over time. So you have to have these conversations like often, um, and really kind of update and reflect the business based on where you're at, I would say. Yeah. So some fun questions and then I'll let you go. What do you feel like has played the biggest part in your just success overall? Like, what would you say has been that, that secret sauce or that key? Um, yeah. What is that for you? I think for me, it's, it's the fact it's like, um, I don't get, uh, I don't get brought down easily. I think like I'm Mm -hmm. really resilient and I always think like resiliency is like the number one thing you need to have as an entrepreneur. Um, and it gets better over time. And I think it's just really about leaning into the fact that like, like even when things are like the worst possible, I feel like I always can be like, nope, we'll get through it. Like we'll get through it. We'll get through it. And I think that's just like a really important trait. What drives you crazy about the industry via influencer or events space right now? (laughs) I think it's so hard. I think like the the, the influencer space and all these things, I think, I, I think I miss the days where influence was really built around expertise and authenticity. 
Um, and I think now there's a lot of manufactured influence of people who like were like, I want to be an influencer. And like that just didn't exist like when we were doing it. And so the people who rose to the top had like a really strong point of view, a really specific sense of style or a really strong expertise in something that like people were able to tune into. And so I think you know, now it's like, you know, you see someone go viral overnight and then they have a beauty line the next day and then they have a this the next day and, right. they have a show the next, and it's like the, the cycle so fast. And I think it's like going to cause a lot of like churn and burn um, over time. Oh. And I think consumers are getting a little uh, like annoyed with that. Um, so I would yeah. say that that's probably it. Yeah, I feel I always see it. It's like, what's that long term plan? And then you know, a lot of people that I coach and counsel too. Like yes, I, w- I want to be in this space, and I want to be an influencer, and you know I want to do all these things, and it's like okay, but like what's that long game? Yeah, right. Yeah. For for some people, it, it just is that that short stint, and then you're like, okay, well, what's next? So, um, totally agree with that. Who has been one of your favorite people to interview, and why? I would say, I mean, my favorite interview. I mean, there's so many, but I would say I really loved Martha Stewart. I feel like she was such an icon, like so amazing, so hilarious. Yeah. Um, and just like killing it and was so honest in herself, like not scripted at all. So I would, that was probably my favorite. What has been your most soul filling project career to date that you've worked on? I would say like my favorite thing that I ever worked on was the Create and Cultivate 100 list. So it's like something we put out every year. It's a hundred women in 10 categories making moves. And it's like so fun to put together and we do a photo shoot, a big event. So that's been really like a, a soul warming experience for me. Besides Work Party, what is another book everybody must read? Ooh, that's a good one. I mean, mm-hmm. I actually, this was recommended from another uh, Blueprint member, but I started reading Profit First, which was like a really good mm. um, book around building profitable businesses. So I would say that's currently on my list. Okay. A non-negotiable in your daily routine in your life? I would say working out. Like, I love it. I feel like yeah. it like brings me sanity in like a crazy world. Yes. No, um, absolutely. And what are you excited about today and going into the future and all that you have going on? Yeah. I mean, I'm excited for, uh, we're doing our blueprint New York, um, extension, which Mm -hmm. I'm so excited about that's happening in January and that's going to be so fun. I'm excited to be back in the city. I haven't been in a long time and we have some fun things planned. So that's kind of like what I'm looking forward to in January. Yes, I know. We'll see you there. Um, so before I let you go, tell us more, a little bit more about the Blueprint Mastermind yeah. and maybe why somebody listening in should consider applying, right. joining. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So the Blueprint Mastermind is awesome. Basically, it's an intimate mastermind around 40 to 50 women um, who are, you know, killing it in their career. And that, And what I mean by that is like, launching a business, running a venture back business, running a big business, like all different stages and, and types of businesses. You know, we have CPG, brick and mortar, all sorts of things that are kind of happening uh, within the blueprint. It's a six month program, um, primarily digital, where you're getting access to coaching, community online and, and um, amazing mentors that we kind of plug in throughout the entire experience from like PR professionals, lawyers, things of that nature. Then there's two offline um, events that are part of it. So we kick one off at the very beginning. So you get to meet everyone, put faces to the name, connect, hear from speakers, panels, workshops, and kind of set your goal and intention for the next six months. And then we have one towards the end of the cohort where you're able to like, again, reevaluate where you are and what you're doing. And um, all along the way, there's like fun dinners and um, amazing cocktail moments and just a lot of connection. And it really is for people looking to build that community of women that are in the same space they are. Um, and in a really honest and vulnerable way where 
you can talk about the good, the bad, the ugly of your business and not feel judged and feel like you actually are getting a real amazing community around this. Yeah. And, you know, in uh, conjunction with you, I mean, there's Ellie Webb and Marina Middleton and just such great support and advisors. And I've said this before, I'll say it a million times over, definitely one of the best investments I've ever made. And I'm so appreciative uh, for being involved and honored to be a part of it. And before I let you go with all of the amazing things you have going on, what's the best way for someone to engage with you? Like what platform do you use the most? Like just send you a million DMs. <laughs> I'm on Instagram mostly. So definitely follow yeah. me on Instagram at Dr. R. Johnson. Yeah. You can follow at the Blueprint Mastermind at Invest with Cherub. Um, and then I'm also on intro where you can book me for like 15 minute increments for coaching questions, anything of that nature. Yeah, no, it's so great. So much access, so many offerings. Yay. And Jacqueline, thank you so much. You. you are such an inspiration. I truly am so appreciative, you know, to be in your space, in your world, and to know you. So thank you, my friend, for being on the Pivot with Purpose podcast. Of course. And we'll see you soon. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Pivot with Purpose. If you like what you heard in this episode, please tag and share us at pivotwithpurpose underscore podcast on Instagram and spread the love within your networks. For more ways to work with me one-on-one and get all access to my content, join my community by signing up at www.meganhool.com.